Well, I don't have any heat in my bedroom. Everybody, I don't have any heat in my bedroom. Sing along. I don't have any heat in my bedroom because we never paid for that. What? We moved into a home without heat in the bedroom. Didn't think much of it and we just moved in the home. And then it turns out it's freezing in our bedroom and every night I freeze my nuts off. Everybody now, I don't have any heat in my bedroom. I put on my wool socks and my hoodie every night. I look at my wife and we're both shivering and wondering how we agreed to this. None of that rhymed. I regret it. Now I want to start over. Hmm. What form of heat do you use in your bedroom? Do you use a space heater? I want to know. Do you have baseboards? I want to know. Or do you freeze your ass off every single night like us? Hmm. We don't have enough wattage to put space heaters in all the bedrooms, so my wife and I dress like we're going skiing when we go to sleep. And we've been doing this for four years, but we finally had a talk, and now we're trying something new called mini splits. This is not a happily ever after story. I don't even want to sing anymore. I don't even want to sing. I'm so pissed right now. I'm so pissed right now. We called a famous company. I'm not going to throw them under the bus because we're in the midst of the controversy. We're in the midst of the conflict. It might have a happy ending, but not right now. No, no, no. We're embroiled in the stress right now because we got mini splits. Mitsubishi top of the line mini splits offering you a purr, a soft whisper of purr to heat your bedroom all night and it doubles as an AC unit. In the hot summer months? Are you kidding? We did our research. Turns out it's great for an Eichler. You gotta get a mini split. It's great for an Eichler. What are you guys doing? How about Mitsubishi mini splits? Google it if you've never heard about it. Actually, don't Google it. Who cares, right? So we're finally at the stage where they install the mini splits. And we lay down and we hear tick, 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 tick. Tick sounds and click sounds and what the fuck is happening? I wake up in the middle of the night and I shake my wife. I go, we didn't sign up for this. You know, the first scene of a good horror movie called Mitsubishi Mini Splits. It's not quite like The Ring. Not quite as scary as The Exorcist, but the husband wakes up and he hears tick, tick, tick sounds. Wakes his wife up. We need to go. Get the kids. We need to go. I actually Googled homes for sale in the area because I'm an irrational man. But I figured if we waited and waited and waited and saved and saved and saved and committed to a good old fashioned world of debt to get these mini splits in the home. And it was like the big purchase. This was like it completes us. You know, you find your spouse, you say, you complete me. And then you have kids and you go, you complete us. And then you get mini splits and you go, no, really, now it's complete. This is all we wanted in the land of big purchases. We got our heat and AC, but the tick, 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 tick sound. And they sent out the HVAC guys three days in a row. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Sounds like a normal click. I was like, we can't sleep. None of us are sleeping. I'm sleeping in the living room like a college kid. Just dragging a blanket and pillow out to the living room. 
laying in the crumbs that my daughters create each day with their snacks, staring directly at the ceiling as many hours of insomnia start to pass by. And I have crazy thoughts. Do we just deinstall all of it? Do we tell the company, uh, we'd like our money back? It's not like buying a sandwich at the deli. They did a lot of installation on the roof, a condenser. Sir, we're going to plug this into the roof. Just open up your ceiling, plug this in. We're going to create holes. It's going to be very invasive. And I just call and I go, yeah, we're going to return it. We're going to return it now. I don't even know where to go now. My wife's writing Facebook forum posts and next door forum posts. Hey, anybody else in the same boat as us? Looking for solidarity, looking for support. Misery loves company. Anybody else here in the click, click, tick, tick found a YouTube video, sent it to these HVAC people. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So this is a long way of saying I'm kind of cold right now because we turned the units off. I'm done with the tick sound. So I need to take a break from this podcast and grab a thicker jacket. Hold on. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I'm not complaining. You're complaining. What are you talking about? Life's fine. I'm complaining about a mini split. And then the next day I'm teaching Stalin to 15 and 16 year olds. I'm teaching about how Stalin killed millions, purged millions as the Soviet leader following Lenin. I'm in the following Lenin. This guy Stalin takes over the revolution and things get ugly and heavy And we're analyzing the darkness and I come home and that's what I'm complaining about. How about a little perspective, pal? Huh? I'll give you perspective. You want perspective? Here's perspective. I don't bring my trash cans up. I roll them out. When the garbage trucks come, I roll them out. I roll out the compost. I roll out the recycling. I roll out the trash. But I don't bring the cans back up. Who does? My wife? No. My kids? Nah, not old enough. Who's bringing my cans back up? It's my neighbor, Vince. I've talked about Vince before. When we moved into this cold little dungeon, Vince was over all the time. It was part of living here. It was part of moving into this house. You get nice weather. You live close to some nice schools, beautiful parks. And you got Vince. They're just like, yeah, you got Vince. Yeah, you weigh all the pros and cons. Here's our property taxes. Here's a window that's cracked and needs to be fixed. You probably need some heat. And then you got Vince. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, we learned to say it's probably fine, even though he was over a lot. I mean, when we moved in, he was over all the time, dropping off kids' records that he would find at thrift stores, ceramics. He would just go find random ceramics, used bowls, and tell us about the guy who made the bowl. He's like, you've heard of Jim McKinley with those smooth hands? Here's a McKinley bowl from 62. And I was like, oh, you got a McKinley? Who cares? You know, having that energy like, we're in a rush, Vince. Bringing over golf balls because he collects golf balls. He goes to golf courses and just hunts down golf balls that people have lost. He brings over tomatoes that they've grown. He's great. I mean, really, the guy's great. It was just part of our routine. Uh Uh-oh, here he comes because our window, we can see who's coming up our driveway. Here he comes, here he comes. Okay, I'll answer it this time. You answer it next time. Now, it doesn't happen. Vince had a big stroke, which I talked about. I remember the ambulance came and he slowly had to learn how to be Vince again, how to walk again, how to drive again, how to speak again. But he doesn't have the velocity on his fastball anymore. See him from time to time, just sitting on a bench in his garage. I go, hi, Vince. Kind of just nods, a little smile. I go, where's the endless conversation? 
where he speaks incessantly about a topic that I don't fully understand, but I just nod and nod with a smile and go, <laughs> I'll bet. Okay, right on, Vince. You know, we all have our throwaway lines when someone's saying stuff that we don't understand at all about ceramics, golf balls, tomatoes, and thrift stores, but the guy was predictable in a good way. And now I don't have a clue what's going on with my man, Vince. Niners played a big game this past Sunday, got crushed. But I saw him the day before the game, and I know Vince likes the Niners, and I was saying, big game coming up, Vince, huh? And he's just like, yep. I was like, what? He just dropped, yep? Isn't he supposed to tell me some of the players that he hates and who sucks and how the refs are terrible? Where's all that, Vince? He just said, yep. We slow down. Vince is showing me in the four or five years that we've lived here. Vince has shown me two things. Number one, when old neighbors come over, just cherish it. Just embrace it, even if it disrupts your routine or whatever rhythm you think you have. Just take a mindful moment to go, this matters to him, he's a nice guy. We'll shoot the shit a little bit. But we slow down like old dogs. If you've ever been a dog owner, you see the progression pretty quickly, you know, 10 to 15 years. And then when they're old dogs, that's why I love old dogs, old dogs, old seasoned vets walking their owners. Aging is kind of scary, but it's also beautiful. Old dogs are beautiful. Vince, beautiful soul. Watching him slow down, it's super sad, obviously, When you hear about this, it's sad. It's sad. Because it's not just me looking at Vince and saying it's sad for him. It's me looking at myself and going, oh, that's the path I'm on as well. We're all on the same path. As time passes, we're all just headed on the same exact path. We all have different theories. There's a lot of different ideas and concepts and religions that might guide your thoughts. But we're all on the same path. We're all going to become Vince and slow down and really slow down. I guess it's a blessing to reach old age if you get that far. And we like the comforting theories. We like the comforting ideas of what happens afterwards. Most people don't like to hear, well, that's it. Lights out, darkness, in the ground, goodbye, consciousness over. Never again to have any experiences of any spirit or energy. Just done, done ski, goodbye. Put that nail in the coffin. But not subscribing to that is comfortable. And I had all these thoughts just come to the surface of my brain saying, hi to Vince, big game coming up tomorrow. Yep. Like, Vince? Vince? You know what he was doing, by the way? He was laying down picking weeds out of the stones in their front yard. And he was loving it. You just tell. His life has evolved into that. I was interrupting his flow. Now he's like, oh, here's the... Young neighbor coming over with his football bullshit. This guy enjoys the weeds picking. Maybe our priorities change. We slow down and we allow the world to slow down. Maybe he's not yearning for that fast-paced lifestyle of hunting down the golf balls and making his way into every thrift store. And I mean every thrift store. And finding handmade ceramic bowls to bring over. This is an original Molly Tumsky from 56. Hold it, hold it. Put it in your hands. You feel that? You feel that? Only Molly had that approach. You feel that? I go, yeah, I feel that. Man, is that clay smooth. So I'm not just going to give you this empty rant. I'll give you some theories. I'll give you a couple that I just heard. All right, you ready? You want to get a pen? I'll give you a moment to get a pen. All right, so we are water. How about this? Little analogy time. We are water. 
in our existence, we're packaged. That water is packaged, let's say, in a glass. So our bodies are the glass and our consciousness is the water. When we die, the water just gets poured back into the ocean. It continues, it continues. In what form? I don't know. I don't have all the answers past that, but these meat puppets, these vehicles that we're bringing consciousness around in right now, homo sapiens, human beings, that water, eventually, it's in a container right now. It's the container Josh Rosenberg is speaking right now. There's episode 205 in a podcast that this guy, Josh Rosenberg, is presenting, but eventually when it expires, that water just goes back into the ocean and becomes part of the everythingness. Is that a word? I don't know. Part of all of it. You go back to being part of all of it. Right now it's condensed and it's being channeled through this, this voice, this thought, awareness, awareness and all this. Also, the same analogy is just a light bulb. A light bulb. Stay with me. That we're the electricity in the bulb. We're not the bulb. You're not the bulb. You're the electricity in the bulb. And what happens to bulbs? I mean, not the new LED ones that stay around forever, but the bulbs. You go, oh, that light's out. You unscrew the bulb. You unscrew the bulb and you throw it away. But you were never the bulb. You were the electricity. Where's that electricity go? Into the ether. I whispered it because I don't really know if I got that theory correct. Into the ether? Ether. All right, I'll give you another one. Um, A vase. Picture a vase full of nothing but air, and the vase breaks. You're the air. (laughs) God, I should write things down because I hear them, and they're so comforting in the moment. So a vase full of air, you would go, look. Look at the air in that vase. And then if that vase was pushed off a shelf and it just breaks, you go, whew, sure going to miss the air that was in that vase. No, of course you wouldn't say, I'm going to miss that air, but there was air in the vase. And what happens? The air just goes back into the ether. I don't even truly understand what ether is, but I'm going to say it like I do. That air that was in the vase, the vase broke. The bulb, that'll get thrown away. The cup of water, that'll be gone. But you're the water. You're the electricity. You are the air in that vase. You continue. All right, whatever body-mind awareness is happening right now, it's just the temporary vehicle for your energy. Oh, my good Lord. Got a little too heavy. Got a little too heady and heavy. A little too cerebral. Well, is this what you signed up for? How about this? Only 2.5. This is a study that came out. Only 2.5% of people can actually multitask. So most people who think they can multitask, you're not multitasking. You're just doing a bunch of stuff at a shitty level. And whatever you think you're focusing on, you're not doing that at a high level either. I love this study because it explained to me I can't do any multitasking. None. None. I couldn't even chew gum and fold laundry. It's too much. I need a single task to focus on, to put my attention toward and then get good at it or realize that I'm becoming terrible at it, but at least I'll get my answer pretty quickly. So if your brain is switching gears, if you're the type of person who's like, I'm texting a friend, but I'm having a conversation as well. I'm eating lunch at the same time. I'm listening to some music in the background. And I'm also unwrapping whatever just arrived with Amazon Prime packages because they don't stop arriving. They're just coming and coming and coming on an endless stream. Well, it turns out when your brain is constantly switching gears 
all that bounce around, bounce around. It's bouncing back and forth. Complex tasks, mundane tasks. You're just less efficient. That's what this study said. This doctor presented a study out of Cleveland, a Cleveland clinic. I'm going to give you some facts. You're more likely to make mistakes if you think you're good at multitasking. And anyone who thinks they're really good, you're probably not in that 2.5%, right? So multitasking is when your attention is just simply divided. So you're not giving full attention to any one thing. You're just adding more tasks to something you're doing at a pretty shitty level. That's all the study said. So people who say, I frequently multitask. It's how I get through my day. I got to pack so many things in every single day. I listen to music while I check my email. I scroll social media on a dog walk. I try to fit in a meditation and a conversation with a neighbor. You're more distracted. You're less able to focus your attention. It sounds obvious, but why have we become a nation of multitaskers? What do we really think we're achieving each day? What's your to-do list? How many things are you shoving onto that list? So here's the quote from Dr. Cynthia Kubu. If we're constantly attempting to multitask, we don't practice tuning out the rest of the world to engage in deeper processing and learning. This is the quote I wrote down. The study says, quote, we accomplish less because we slowly lose the ability to focus enough to even learn. The pitfall is trying to do too much at once makes it harder to be mindful and truly present in a moment in your life. And mindfulness comes with a plethora of benefits for our minds and our bodies. In fact, many therapies based on mindfulness even help patients suffering from depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and other conditions. So we all claim that we're going to fit in a little mindfulness into our day. But the idea of fitting in and fitting in and fitting in so many things condensed at the same time where you have just endless streams of your to-dos and information processing and communication, it's causing us to be totally detached, not attentive to anything. We got worse at everything that we think we're accomplishing at the same time. There it is. There what is? I don't know. Wouldn't it be great if Vince just knocked on the door right now? Big Vince, the retired plumber who once brought over, I don't think I'm exaggerating, 75 kids' records and just left them at our front door. It's almost eerie, but in a really charming way. Well, there's enough records here to last us for the rest of our lives, but I can't even pick up this crate. And we brought it into our storage unit. I mean, we listened to a few of them, but we're like, do we return these? Does Vince need these kids' records back? Did you hear a tick? All right, because if you hear a tick... It'll cause an uptick in my stress. If you hear that mini split, that Mitsubishi, it's supposed to be the top of the line. Hey, you get a top of the line mini split. What do I have to do to get you in a top of the line Mitsubishi mini split before the end of the day? Huh? All right, I'm reading this great memoir, but not recommending it because I don't think most people are going to read it. But it's Roseanne Barr's. Is she Roseanne Barr? Is she back to Barr? She was Roseanne just like Prince and Madonna. And she was Roseanne Arnold when she married Tom. But you know who Roseanne is. We all watched Roseanne, the Connor family, with John Goodman, who's such a force. Seriously, John Goodman is as good as it gets when it comes to acting. And isn't that why you're here? To listen to me break down John Goodman's career. King Ralph played the babe. So good in The Righteous Gemstones. All right, so her name is Jenna Pentman. This is Roseanne's daughter who wrote a whole book about what it was like as Roseanne's daughter. And it's so funny and it's so painful. There's so much suffering and there's so much comedy. That's my kind of book. It's my kind of life. I mean, let's be honest. We're all stumbling through that. It's so fun sometimes. It's so painful sometimes, right? Your life. 
It's so fun. There's so much laughter and suffering and confusion. It's all captured in this book. This memoir is pretty good. And she told a quick story. And in one of these hours that I've had insomnia because of the tick, 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 got to leave my bedroom and attempt to bundle up in a parka as I go to sleep with a blanket over my face. I was reading this on Kindle and immediately the story resonated. She said that she was drawing something lewd in class when she was in about fifth grade. She drew Odie from Garfield fucking Garfield. That's how she wrote it. She drew just pencil to paper doodles in a classroom. She drew Odie having sex with Garfield. And the teacher caught her. And the teacher took the doodle, took the drawing, and told the principal to come into the classroom immediately. And the principal came in and took this drawing, looked at it, and started laughing just in front of the whole class. And she tells this story as the principal is human. Sometimes you laugh at things that are just funny, even if it's inappropriate, even if a kid is misbehaving. And I thought, it's a good principle. How human was that to laugh? And she didn't even get in trouble. What kind of principle could get you in trouble after laughing at the poor behavior? She should have been reprimanded, suspended. Instead, she realized, oh, I got a crowd. Adults like this stuff. And I remembered my principal when I was in elementary school, Thomas Lowasser, and he was great. And I got in trouble so much. I don't know why. Perhaps the storm at home caused me to lash out and need the attention in the classroom. I thought it was class clown stuff. I don't like that term. I thought it was just me trying to make people laugh. But apparently I had some issues as a kid because, drum roll please, yeah, I once put a pin on the seat of a classmate I didn't like. In second grade, Miss Lyman's class at Dixie. It's now called Lucas Valley. Don't call it Dixie anymore. I put a pin on the seat of a kid who I didn't like when he was out to recess. That's an aggressive move. Okay, folks? I realize that. Second grade. Brain is not developed at all. And one of my best friends nowadays, Brandon Lye, he saw everything. He's like, what kind of criminal activity am I witnessing? My second grade classmate has put a pin on David's seat at his desk. He's clearly trying to pierce this kid's ball sack. This is not good. A vicious, violent attempt to pierce a kid's nutsack. Brandon couldn't process it. So you know what Brandon did? He told on me. This is one of my closest friends. Today. He told on me, just walked right up to the teacher. He's like... Uh, Miss Lyman, Josh definitely just put a pin on David's seat. And Miss Lyman ain't having that shit. She was already a scary teacher. I feel like all my elementary school teachers were very old, angry women. It's just in my mind. It's maybe the story that I've conjured up. So she takes me to the principal. It's time to get this kid out of my class. Get this kid out of my class. Why? I didn't like the guy, but I know I shouldn't have put a pin on his seat. I think it was like a, I don't know. Brandon could tell the story, but Brandon likes to tell the story still. Brandon's probably still scared of me. That's horror movie stuff, but he likes horror movies, so he likes me now. So Miss Lyman takes me up to Lowasser's office, and Lowasser hears the story. I remember this. I was terrified. You know, at this point, when you get in trouble in second grade, you're like really scared, but you're trying to keep it cool. You're not going to see me cry. You're not going to see me break. Warden, I'm a tough kid. 
But deep down, I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to call my mom. This is not going to be good. They do suspend kids, or they did back then. They suspended second, third, fourth, fifth graders. I remember because I was suspended a few times. Now, I'll say this. Mr. Lowasser brought me in, and he looked real stern. He told Miss Lyman, I'll take it from here. And he sat me in his office. And then he just got me to calm down. He understood psychology. He's like, if this kid's putting pins on seats, we should probably let him just chill for a moment so he can express himself in a calm fashion. And he had a little electric basketball hoop behind his desk, and he just threw me the ball. He kept feeding me. said, shoot it. Shot it again. And he's actually keeping score. It was electronic, and it had a little scoreboard connected to it. So every time I hit a shot with this little rubber basketball and this little mini hoop besides behind Lowasser, you have two points, two points. Two points, missed off the rim. The ball would knock over a stack of his papers. And I remember this thinking, is this a privilege? Like, what's happening here? I just did something to get in trouble, but this principal is clearly showing me some love, and now I'm having one of the more memorable times I'm going to have in the first 10 years of my life. And he probably knew that I was troubled in a certain way. I don't really remember which way. He probably knew he still had to file something in my little kid report and call home. But in the meantime, he's like, why mess with this kid? Why put this kid through some scary bullshit when really he probably has some things to say. Turns out I do have some things to say. Still do. But the old get to know someone. If you're in an authoritative position and someone's misbehaving, someone's breaking rules and you just get angry at them detention, suspension, just all the many things you could do to reprimand a kid. Nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. But if you just talk to them as a person, you're like, hey, what's up? Not even mad at you. Just let's talk. You good? Let's go on a walk. Let's get away from all of this. Get away from Miss Lyman's classroom. Even my classroom. If I have a kid acting up, let's just talk. You're not in trouble. Let's just talk as humans. Forget that I'm a teacher for a moment. What's on your mind? What's going down? And 100% of the time, it's nothing going on at the school. Probably wasn't anything happening with Lyman or David or Brandon, the tattletale. It's just you lash out in ways that are mysterious. How does your stress manifest itself? Like if you're in a bad mood, if you're in an angry mood, it's transferable. Transference, you could bring that pain into other people's life. They're like, whoa, the storm just came to it. What was that about? If you're married and your spouse is stressed out, I guarantee you'll both be stressed out by the end of the night. Destroys communication of any level. If you don't know how to just take a step back, chill, calm down for a moment, you're going to just take people down in your wake. You're going to be on a path of destruction, putting tax on seats until Lowasser gives you a basketball and calms you down and becomes your best friend forever. Realizing that adults can be understanding. You don't always have to go straight to the discipline. Oh, I should mention, he spanked me so hard. No, I'm just kidding. Of course not. Isn't that weird thinking about back in the day, teachers were spanking kids? Oh, freely hitting kids. We don't do that anymore. No. No, we don't. All right, all right. Let's get out of this. Let's wrap it up. You know, thoughts of the end. I guess that's the theme of some of these episodes. Thoughts of the end. How do we make it more comfortable? We're all on this path where we have to say goodbye. This existence is temporary and to the people and things we love. How sad 
that there has to be a final farewell at some point. You don't know when that point's coming, so we're all in this world of mystery. But at this exact phase of life, I don't think about it as much with me as I do with the kids I'm watching. A five-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old. These little daughters, I'm watching them and trying to just hold on to the moment. You hold on to the moment, even though you know it's slipping away and they're going to grow up. These are such beautiful precious, meaningful moments. Little kids, even though they melt down, they're loud, they're difficult, they're just too wonderful. They're too wonderful. There aren't even words. It's just a feeling. I don't have the words. But I was listening to this song by Zach Gill. So that's how I'm going to wrap it up. It's called Watch Them Grow. It's kind of sad. It'll make you shed a tear while you're washing dishes. But it's just this idea of As a parent, you watch them grow. They grow up and you can't play this game of, man, I yearn for the past when you were a toddler, when you were 10 or when you were young enough to want to hang out with me and thought I was so cool that you just keep going. You naturally progress and try to enjoy every stage and say, this is the best stage. No, now this is the best stage instead of, man, I miss how it used to be. If you keep saying, I miss when they were tiny and I could hold your hand, it's going to be tough. So he's going to express it and these lyrics will hit you and I'm going to wrap it up that way with Zach Gill's Watch Them Grow. Let this hit you. Just don't 